As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at BTE Racing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Bo Kenny and the Strip Teaser. We've got a big show on tap today. Jed's going to come on in just a few minutes with Kevin Brannon. That's right. Jed and KB will recap the biggest win of Kevin's illustrious career and the bizarre sequence that we covered last week, the bizarre sequence of events that, in a lot of ways, overshadowed the accomplishment. Uh, after that, Ashley Thompson's going to come back in to close the show. Ashley will be on with recently crowned This Is Bracket Racing.com Drivers Series No Box Champion Kip Poole. The Drivers Series has reached a conclusion for 2020. Nearly 100 racers from five racetracks across the country competed in 2020. We have crowned our champions. On the top bulb, that's Lane Savar. You heard from Lane a month or so ago on the show. Today, you will hear from Kip Poole, so stay tuned to the end of the show for that. Before we get to that, Last weekend in Las Vegas, NHRA crowned the Summit ET Series World Champions. 
Kevin McKenna and myself previewed that a couple weeks back. Uh, my picks were the kiss of death. Nobody that I picked advanced beyond the semifinals. Three of the four lost in round number one. So to that, uh, let's see, to Billy Simpson, to Andy Schmall, to Roy Hagedorn, to Luke Siebert, I apologize. Sorry, guys. The winners in Vegas were Super Pro Devin Eisenhower. Devin uh, got the win in his dragster, put on an impressive performance in the three rounds of competition out there in Vegas. And with the win... Keep in mind, it was just two years ago that Devin picked up the Super Gas World Championship. Now he joins or adds uh, the NHRA Summit ET Series Super Pro crown to that and joins a pretty illustrious list of drivers who have done that, who have won in both the Lucas Oil Series and the Summit ET Series at the national level, the World Championship level. The other two to have done that, uh, two names you might recognize, Edmund Richardson and Jeff Heffler pretty impressive company for 23-year-old Devin Eisenhower. Speaking of Jeff Heffler, as Kevin and I uh, mentioned a couple weeks back, Jeff was making his ninth, yes, I did not stutter, ninth appearance at the Summit ET World Championship runoff uh, this year in Vegas. He's won the Division Four bracket finals nine times just since they've been sending the winner uh, out for the national championships. In his ninth appearance, Jeff Heffler picked up his fourth Summit ET World Championship, making him the most illustrious winner of that competition over the 20 over its 20-year history. No one else has won four. Jeff becomes the first. Notably, it is his first national championship in pro. His previous three had each come in sportsman. That was in 2010, 2013, 2016. Now, in 2020, he adds a pro world championship to that list. In case you're wondering... Thank you to, uh, to Austin Williams for supplying the stats on this. I would have never taken the time to look this up. If you're wondering, multi-time champions of the NHRA Summit ET Bracket Championships, Edmund Richardson's won it twice. Won it in Sportsman in 2011, won it in Super Pro in 2013. Chad Isley has won it twice. Won it in Motorcycle in 2013, backed that up with a win in Pro in 2016. Tom Clemmie has won it three times. Uh, all on a motorcycle in 08, 11, and 12. Michael Nash, also a two-time champion on the motorcycles in 06 and 07. Of note, no one in its 20-year history has won the Summit ET World Championship in Super Pro or Pro more than once. So, elite company uh, for Jeff Heffler. And actually, uh, no company for Jeff Heffler. He's the first, the only to date driver to win that illustrious championship four different times. Other champions on the Summit ET Trail, John McLaughlin, make the drive from Division 1 payoff with the win in Sportsman. Don DePeel, Division 6 representative, is your world champion in Motorcycle. It's the second consecutive season that the Motorcycle World Championship goes back to Division 6. Before we get to the show, I just want to bring everyone up to date a little bit on the NHRA Lucas Oil Series points chase. I'm going to nerd out a little bit this is the last weekend. So uh, coming into last week's show, our champions that had already been crowned, Craig Bourgeois in Competition Eliminator, Christopher Dodd in Supercomp, Brian Warner in Superstock. Last week in Vegas, Darian Bosch wrapped up the top sportsman world championship, clinched that. So you have four world championships crowned, three in the sportsman categories, uh, still very much up in the air. 
heading into this week's competition. And this week, it's interesting to note, this week was supposed to just be the last Division 7 Lucas Oil Series event Friday through Sunday at Las Vegas. Two weeks ago, the JEG Sports Nationals in Vegas was halted uh, following second round, third round of a couple of categories due to wind, sand, it was just a mess, right? So the conclusion of that was postponed to Thursday. By the time that you listen to this, that race will probably be in the books. As I record, it is not. So for many racers, um, still the conclusion of the Sports Nationals Thursday and then that final division race count to points. So here is the situation coming into the weekend. Stock Eliminator. Jody Lang is in the lead and appears to be uh, relatively safe in his bid to finally secure his first NHRA World Championship. Uh, Jody has knocked on the door numerous times, has a handful of second place finishes. It looks like this is going to be the year. He has the lead right now. He is still in at the Sports Nationals going into round four. The only racer, at least by my math, that has an opportunity to surpass him is a five-time NHRA World Champion and red hot currently Justin Lamb. And it's a long shot for Justin to win, but keep in mind, he hasn't lost in his stock eliminator car since they started racing at Vegas two weeks ago. He won the first points meet, he's still in at the Sports Nationals, he won the national event last weekend. And although he has a long road to hoe, Justin is technically in control of his own destiny. Both Justin and Jody Lang are still in the Sports Nationals, which I said again will be completed on Thursday. If they continue winning, they would meet in the semifinal round. If Justin wins that semifinal round, goes on to win the Sports Nationals, and then goes on to win the divisional preceding it, which again would make him a perfect 4 for 4 uh, at Vegas, he would win the championship. So again, long shot, but Justin controls his own destiny. Obviously, if Jody Lang were to not advance to the semifinals, Justin wouldn't quite have to win both races, but he'd still have to go really, really deep in both of them. So, um, still up in the air, I'd say Jody Lang, prohibitive favorite, but there's no way that you rest easy when anyone's got a shot, much less if you have Jody Lang's history, Jody stood on the starting line and watched Joseph Santangelo do the impossible years ago. Like He had to win the event to claim the championship away from Jody Lang. Santangelo did just that. So given his history, he's not going to rest easy. And then given the competition, right? there's no one that you would bet on more to win when the pressure is high, particularly at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, than Justin Lamb. So we'll be tracking that. Another really interesting scenario as uh, we come into the weekend is in Top Dragster. Because coming into the events at Las Vegas, or specifically coming into last weekend's national event, it was a three-man race. That's all anyone was paying attention to. It was incoming leader Anthony Bertozzi. It was Danny Nelson, reigning, defending NHRA world champion. And it was Art Hoover. Coming into that race, Bertozzi was claimed out but he was there playing blocker, right? Nelson and Hoover each had the opportunity to overtake him. They had to make the final round to do do so. And it got really interesting come Sunday morning because in the quarterfinal round, all three were still in. Bertozzi couldn't earn points, but he was there blocking. Nelson and Hoover, just two win lights away from making that final round and 
claiming the points lead, ultimately winning the world championship. All three racers, Bertozzi, Nelson, Hoover, they all fell in the quarterfinal round. So that knocks Hoover and Nelson out of competition. Anthony Bertozzi in the lead appears to be the world champion in 2020, which would be Bertozzi's second NHRA world championship to go along with his 16, yes, I did not stutter, 16 IHRA world championships. But wait, there was one other racer with a mathematical chance young man from Denver by the name of Bradley Johnson. Coming into this stretch of events at Vegas, Bradley had a mathematical chance, and it was one of those that it's nothing more than a mathematical shot. Literally, the only way that Bradley Johnson could overtake Anthony Bertozzi's score, assuming that no one else overtook Anthony, was to win three races in a row. He would have to win the first divisional, he would have to win the sports nationals, he would have to win the NHRA finals. Okay, that seems like this impossible, purely mathematical scenario. 17 straight rounds of win lights in NHRA Top Drags True. Well, guess what? We're through two and a half of those three races, and of those 17 win lights he needed, Bradley Johnson has accumulated 14. He is 14-0 and 0 since arriving on the grounds in Las Vegas. He won the division race. He won the NHRA Finals. He is still in, going down to six cars left in top dragster at the Jake Sports Nationals. He needs nothing less than another win. Perfection in Vegas to claim the championship. Again, he's down to six cars at the Sports Nationals. The reports that I'm hearing are that his opponent in the quarterfinals could not stay and has gone home. So Bradley will start his day, presumably, with the competition by run into the semis. He's two win lights away from completing his perfect trip to Las Vegas and uh, completing what may be the the most um, the biggest come from behind, like the the most uh, what's the word that I'm looking for here? Unpredictable, unfathomable um, world championship in possibly in sportsman history. And if he pulls this off, he will do so having attended just two national events. Had Bradley Johnson simply showed up to a third national event, lost first round, this would be over. He'd be your world champion right now. Uh, so high drama going into Thursday in Las Vegas. And the <laughs> the last class that's still open is Super Gas. And you're going to have to stick with me here because this one is super confusing. Okay, On paper right now, if you go to NHRAracer.com, Mike Boehner is in the lead. Uh, on the strength of back-to-back wins at the Phoenix Division Race, and then more recently, uh, the win at the NHRA Finals last weekend. But, as this plays out, Mike Boehner competed in the JEG Sports Nationals the week prior to the national event. He lost in round two. That was his fifth national event, and the way that points are taken this year, sportsman racers get their three best national events out of the first five. Now, I guess the way that the NHRA site updates is based on completion, but that race, his finish at the sports nationals, should take precedence according to the rulebook. So what shows him right now having 105 points for winning the NHRA Finals in Las Vegas, that will get wiped off because that was actually his sixth event. His fifth was the Sports Nationals, the last opportunity for him to earn points. So we're going to take away 105 points for winning and award him only 40 points 
for now for losing second round. That actually moves Mike from first in the national standings to eighth. Now, why it's updated like that on NHRAeraser.com, I have no idea. It is very confusing, but I'll just read from the rule book here. And again, shouts to, to Austin Williams, Kyle Seipel, Kevin McKenna, all kind of verified here to, to make sure that we're right. But the NHRA rulebook reads that points are awarded in chronological order. Uh, in the chronological order, a contestant completes each event. For example, if event A is postponed until after event B, these contestants still eligible for competition at the reschedule event will be awarded points for event B prior to event A. Contestants losing in event A prior to postponement will have event A points awarded prior to event B. That's confusing, but if you followed along, again, Mike Banner will be forced to claim the second round loss from the Sports Nationals rather than the win at the Vegas National event a week later. It seems unfair now in retrospect, but in reality, like that's the only fair way to do it. No one else got to lose second round of event, wipe that off, and try again the next week. And if you allowed Boehner to do that, that's essentially what would happen. So with that in mind, Mike Boehner, we move him down from potentially world championship first on the ledger. Uh, if you replace his 105-point win with a 40-point second round loss, that moves him all the way down to eighth in the standings. So, on paper, that means that Jason Kenny leads. Jason Kenny's out of races can no longer improve, but <laughs> Brian Presler, uh, a name that you may remember from a year ago, Presler fought Ray Miller III to the wire for the Supercomp World Championship, ultimately finished second. This year, he's had a phenomenal year at the divisional level in Supergas, highlighted by a win at the Vegas division race two weeks ago that catapulted him into contention. Pressler is still in at the Sports Nationals, which will be contested Thursday, and has already accumulated enough points to overtake Jason Kinney and take the lead. If Brian Pressler were to lose in upcoming round three of Supergas, he would be your national points leader by a mere two points. If my math is correct, the only other racer with a chance then to overtake Brian Pressler and win the world championship, Ricky Cates. As of right now, Cates is four and a half rounds behind. Both Cates and Pressler are still in contention at the Jake Sports Nationals to be completed on Thursday. Pressler could lock it up Thursday. It could be over. He has to, to do so, he would have to outlast Cates by three rounds. If he's not able to do that, it comes down to the final divisional, where again, both racers can improve their score. There, Cates is improving a first round loss. Brian Pressler is improving on a third round loss. So just uh, for example, if both Ricky Cates and Brian Pressler were to lose in the same round on Thursday at the Sports Nationals, Cates would then have to make it to the semis at that final divisional and outlast Pressler by a minimum of three rounds. So advantage probably Pressler, but this one could absolutely go either way. So that was a lot. <laughs> That was a lot to, uh, to, to cram into your brain. Does your brain hurt? Okay, yeah, mine does. To fix it, here's Jed with million-dollar race winner Kevin Brannon. And again, we're going to follow that up with Ashley, uh, joined by recent This Is Bracket Racing driver series no-box champion Kip Poole. But first, here's PJ.
Appreciate you tuning in. We are uh, in our interview week where we're just going to have a discussion with somebody very important in racing right now. And the guy that we've got on the phone with us is, uh, first and foremost, a, a former co-host of the podcast. Anytime uh, we're loopless, we try to get somebody on. We've had this guy on with us before, so very familiar with the podcast. But most important, I guess, he is the most recent winner, the 25th anniversary winner of the Mickey Thompson Million Dollar Race. It is our pleasure to have Kevin Brandon on tonight. KB, how are you, bud? I'm doing good, Jed. Appreciate you all having me on the show again. Well, uh, we love having you on anytime we get the opportunity, but certainly uh, this is a very special time to have you on as the, the winner of the 25th Million that's uh, something we'll talk a lot about, obviously, during this interview. But first, I always like to uh, to say thank you for joining us and let everybody know kind of where you are in the world right now. So what part of the world are you in? I'm in good old Spartanburg, South Carolina, sitting in the house uh, on my computer here. Got my Packers playing in the background, trying to see if they can't pull off a win or not. But okay. just sitting at the house, just got home from work. So the Packers are your team. Oh, yeah. I'm a Green Bay fan. Okay. Big time. Good stuff. Good stuff. Spartanburg, South Carolina. What's the weather like there tonight, KB? It's pretty nice, actually. It was probably 70-ish degrees today. It was, it's pretty nice. Um, I mean, it's, it's probably 50-something outside tonight. Not, nothing terrible. Pretty mm, pretty nice, really. Wheelie weather. Okay. I get it. Oh, yeah. Definitely wheelie weather. Um, KB... You uh, you put in a long day at the office, I believe, and you, you've been out uh, doing a little house hunting stuff tonight and catching up with you now. What do uh, what you do for a living? I'm back working with Scott and the boys at Par Racing. I, I love it. we got um got some other guys helping us now. we got Chad, Chad uh, Taylor in there, and I enjoy working with him and another boy since uh, Matt Batson in there. Um shop flows pretty good we've been pretty busy it's it's been pretty nice I, i'm enjoying it well good uh, i know that's what you did prior to taking a, a little hiatus to go do some racing and and just racing focusing on that but during that hiatus you actually worked with luke as well at this is bracket racing elite and was keeping yourself busy and a little income coming in outside of what you were winning on the track but um you uh you wanted to pursue that a little while now you're back in the shop building horsepower for all your competitors and fellow racers so i'm sure they're glad to have you back there at par and i guess when i talked to you a couple of days ago you put in a little 615 did you say with the baby blower is that what you said yeah i was building a 615 with a baby blower on it i need something like that in my life kb that'd be really good in that red nova oh yeah we could we could definitely that'd be nice up under there <laughs> kb tell us a little bit about your racing history before we get into the meat of this thing um when you started and who got you started what was your race and then that type of stuff all right i've been i've been around it all my life uh, mom and dad both race my mom actually raced with me when she when she was pregnant with me she had a little street truck and it ran like 10 50s or 11 seconds and eighth miles so I guess I, she kind of got me in it there before I ever even come out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but uh, been around all my life. Dad races, still races. Um, 
we grew up racing at Greer, Greer Dragway. That's that's my home track. Still love racing there today. Um, just kind of been around at bracket racing all really from the time I was young. I started in junior when I was about 10. Raced there until I got my license. As soon as I got my license where I could race, I started racing the Monza. Uh, that was dad's first car, mom's first real race car. Uh, so it's kind of a family thing there. Still got it today. Got it fixed up. And I still race it a good bit. Um, like I said, Dad still races. Mom passed away in 2014, I believe it was. So she's been gone six years. But uh, this this particular race was really important to her. This is something I remember. I've been going to the Million now. Pro- they probably hadn't been running it much before that I went. I think Montgomery was the first time I went, but I think it was within the first few years that they did it. But I've been going there, went there with mom and dad, and it was always that that race on the calendar every year. We just wanted to try to win enough money throughout the year just so we could go and just have a shot at the at the smaller racers just to even get a chance to run the big race. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. a huge deal, and it's always been a huge deal for us. So to just be fortunate enough to even race it is just a great accomplishment. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, no doubt. That's uh, definitely a race that a lot of people dream of getting to go to, and and a bunch won't get to go to it. So um, we definitely should count our blessings for getting those opportunities to be at races on that stage. So, KB, we all know you as Rabbit. Um, That's that's the nickname that you've been given, and I probably called you that 2,000 times and have no idea why you are called rabbit how'd you get that nickname well i've had several different nicknames growing up i was little turtle that's dad's nickname he got it in high school as a group of his friends gave it to him he's the turtle and then when i started working for scott he said i'm not calling you little turtle he said i'm gonna call you something and he's he said i'm gonna call you the rabbit because the rabbit outruns the turtle so that's where I got it from. Scott gave it to me at par. So he's called me Rabbit, and then he's got all of our customers called me Rabbit. So I'm the Rabbit, I guess. <laughs> Sounds good. And we'll, we'll talk more about Turtle here in just a little while. But let's get to what uh, prompted this interview tonight. And you've just won the original Mickey Thompson Million Dollar Drag Race in Montgomery. We'll avoid discussing the crazy ending to that race for now, KB. But tell us about the rest of the day prior to the quarterfinals, which we'll discuss in a little bit. Um, Tell us a little bit about how your day went, because I know it was good. Yeah, I mean, I come there, I guess someone said I pulled the loop bogaki, but I fully intended from the time that I come there, I was coming in Thursday, I was going to come in, I left Thursday morning, it takes me about five hours to get there. I fully intended to just come in there and just go get me a motel room. I brought the small rig. I'm like, I'm just going to come in there, get every, got all my tech cards, everything filled out, go get me something nice to eat. Uh, went to eat with Jeff and uh, Big Chief, went to get some barbecue when I got there. He was in between rounds. Um, just kind of took it easy, got everything ready, and I was like, I'm just going to take my time and put my full focus in into the, the million. And little did I know that I was going to have the night that we had there, the long drug out race there, but it definitely all paid off. But um, it was a good day. When I made my first time run, I was kind of a little bit lost to start with, I guess you'd say. I run the right lane. 
I'd asked Shane and, and some other buddies, I'm like, what is it like from uh, Bristol and Galat? And they kind of told me what they thought. So I pulled a few numbers out. thought it was a little bit on the loose side. Yes, it uh, was. <laughs> yeah, a little on the loose side in the right lane. So I go up there to make my run. I leave. It's, it shows I'm three red on the board. It shows I go 453. I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's pretty close. I get my ticket and I'm 28 and went 451. I'm like, okay, that is not what my town or the scoreboard just said. <laughs> so I actually went up to the tower and I'm like, just show me on paper. This is actually what I went just so I know. And it was, tw- I was 28 on tree and went 451. I'm like, okay, that ain't what the scoreboard just said. And they're like, oh yeah, well it hung up at run and we had to reset the scoreboard. I'm like, okay. So I'm a little bit lost at that point and a double enter. So I'm like, I'm going to go to left lane. Go left lane. I said, I'm going to pull the numbers out. I'm just going to pull it out, and then that's where it needs to be. Well, I go over to the left lane. I'm lighted up like 13 red. That's about what I pulled out, 13, 15, somewhere in that range. And I go the exact same thing to the to the eighth mile. 451 with the two in the right, 451 with two in the left. I look at my ticket, and I'm like, 10, I think I was 101 in the right and 102 something in the left. And then it caught up. by It was halfway there to 3.30, and I went identical to finish line. I'm like, well, I'm completely lost here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was some curveballs thrown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, we've talked about extensively here. But, yeah, uh, definitely some curveballs there. But from there, it kind of, I just kind of settled in. I'm like, well, I'm going to put it back in. I'm going to stay in the left lane because that's where I felt like it should have been anyway on tree and all. So went there, and I kind of got in a I was doing fairly well in the early rounds. I mean, I was pretty solid. Uh, car was running on the number. Wasn't really holding nothing. Just kind of putting it dead on us and trying to turn loose good. I was fairly good throughout most of the race there. And then I had one round where I got put back in the right lane. It was about fourth, fifth round maybe. And somebody old tracked down in front of us, Tramish Fluid. So we sat there for about an hour as they scraped it and all that. That was my lucky round. The guy I ran, he was double O something. I was scared to pull numbers back out, and I lit it up 25 in the right. Um, I dropped to dead on. I, I dialed up just a little bit when when the oil down and all that went on. So I dialed up, and I dropped it to dead on, and he broke out a few thousands. So I got lucky there. That was my big lucky round, I'd say. But from there on, I just started pulling out. I had to pull, I'll be honest, I pulled 15 numbers out when I went to the right lane each time. And that's oh, about wow. where it was for me throughout the night. I mean, I was consistent double O left to right, but it's 15 numbers in the box. Oh, KB, that's hard to do. That's hard to roll 15 out, even when you know. Oh, I know. it. I was like, man, I hate to do it. But the people I was having to run, I'm like, I cannot light it up 20-something here. I got to pull it out. So that's where I started doing after that round that I got by with. I pulled 15 out, and I lit it up good left to right. But it was, it was a solid 15 for me. Yeah, so that was funny car, Chris, that, that had that little incident in front of you and put the fluid down, and it was starting to cool off a little bit because I remember being down there near you guys, and you were the next one out in the right lane. And I, I asked, could we you know, maybe find a couple of racers that wasn't in the show and have them burn out across the line, do a nice good burnout, because that was a pretty good little mess in front of you, so... I imagine you might have had a little anxiety before you went back up there to make that that run because that, as you saw, that that cleanup lasted a little while and it was uh, it was pretty good size and it's transmission fluid, which you know no fluid's a good thing, but 
how, how were you feeling right then? Were you were you a little bit nervous, or you thought should be fine? I wasn't really concerned about that. The thing that got me is I, I like I said, the car had been really good, and I was really honest for the most part. And the guy I was running had a nitrous bottle. I felt good about my dial in before the oil down, but afterwards I'm like, I need to dial up. He's got nitrous, I got nothing. I'm I'm in trouble if I can't get there. So I asked him, and they agree, and I had to get his permission. The driver that I was running, he said he didn't care what I dialed. Uh, he ended up dialing up one, and I dialed up one or two. So I felt pretty good about it there. The starting line was actually really good. My 60 foot was right where it had been. Uh, down track, I was kind of moving around. You could feel it just kind of like driving side to side on the tire a little bit. Um, but as far as starting line, it was actually really good. So I don't think they could have done much of anything better there. The down track was just a little bit off, but it come right back after a few cars went down. Yeah. Yeah, it looked, looked like it did really well. They did a great job of getting that cleaned up and getting the track prepped again. So what round was that, KB? Where have we gotten to at that point in the race? I want to say that was fourth or fifth round. Okay, so that was just prior to the the, the wild ending, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so you, you, you've gotten to whatever you've gotten through fifth round or, or whatever it was. And now... KB, let's talk about the ending from the quarterfinals on, and, and you you tell this any way you want to tell it. But the quarterfinals, I'm and and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit selfish here and, and talk about my role in this because I go up in the tower at eight cars, and I know what everyone else doesn't know at the time. I know this is going to be the last round I call at the million. I'm gonna. Um, I'm retiring from the mic, and I'm pretty excited that I look around at some of my buddies in. It looks like it's going to be some quality racing. There's some good stories. There's some young guns, some veterans like you that, that have been there and done that. And, you know, it looks like a great mix, and I'm I'm super jacked because I'm fixing to go up here and, and call this final quarterfinals that, that I'm going to call. And first pair out, my buddy Rabbit and – my buddy G-Dub, pretty jacked about that. And then the numbers pop up, and I immediately say, oh, boy, you know, G-Dub's in trouble here. This one's not going to – and then he, you know, he goes – I'm speechless because I know what's happening, but I really don't know what to say. So start right there and tell your view of what happened from that point on. Well, I'm feeling really good rolling around there. Eight cars. We done made the split. Money's pretty decent. I roll around there and no more get out of the car. And here comes Gary over and he's like, I got you. What lane you want? And I'm like, oh, man, this is got to run two time champ Gary here. This is just great. <laughs> so I tell him what lane I want. And then I'm at the very back of the line and they're telling suit up. I'm like, I just want to go up. Not the first car. I don't want to be the first pair out because I'm still dialed pretty honest. He's running five nineties. I'm like, I'm car's been good. Just let me set back a pair or two. Next thing I know, Gary fires up and pulls up to the front line. I'm like, well, this is just great. So I'm dialed honest over there, and I, <laughs> I roll up, and I'm, and then we do our burnouts and feel good and let go and roll down there, and it's fairly close. I mean, I can't remember what the margin of victory was. Roll through, wind lights on. I'm super jacked. I mean, I'm oh, I'm yeah. fired up. We're going to four cars. So I'm like, just beat Gary Williams. Just down to four and feeling good. Get my ticket, and I'm like, 
crap, got to rerun. First thing <laughs> I knew it. I mean, no, no, I'm like, there's no way. It's tight finish line. It shows he's 80 and 7 under. I'm like, well, I know more back up. And I'm like, boys, we got to rerun. I'm like, it's coming. Go, go ahead and rerun. So shortly after that, they call us back up there to rerun. I got no problem with it. I'm like, yep, we definitely got to rerun here. So I pull back up there again. And I'm thinking to myself once again, I'm like, well, you're dialed honest. And then we've been sitting here again for a while. Nobody going down track. So you're dialed honest. And you can't probably maybe dead on one above is all you can do. So I think I was 15, 17, something like that when I ran first time. I'm like, well, I got to pull numbers out of the box. So I pulled like, I can't remember how much it was, somewhere between 5 and 10. Roll it there again. Which I should say this, let me back up just a little bit. On the first run that we did, he does this big, as he's going past the tree, I noticed the bottom bulb had come on. As he backs up, the light went out, so I didn't think nothing else about it. So when we come back up there, him and Gary's talking, and Troy are talking about it, and they said, well, we're going to do a smaller burnout here, because I think where we did the burnout, I think the smoke was the problem. I'm like, okay. So he does a smaller burnout, roll up there, I let go, feel really good, roll down there, and I'm kind of out of it just a little bit, light up the scoreboard again. I'm like, all right, this is great. I'm going four cars. Now, get my ticket. I think I'm 007. He's 30-something. He breaks out, and I'm a couple above, I believe it was. So I'm like, sweet, we're going four cars. And, and when you look at that ticket, when you look at that ticket, KB, no part of you thinks, hmm, there's a chance here. Or are you just like, yep, that's good, solid run, we're there? Well, from where I was driving, I felt like I was getting there, and which I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the margin of victory. I just kind of chalked it up as he missed it, maybe sprayed me and dropped. I, I mean, I, yeah. it, it was just tough to say. I mean... Right. Everybody misses it from time to time. I didn't think a whole lot about it. His 60 foot moved whatever difference the tree was. I think it moved like six hundredths uh, from where it was 80 something. And he was like, I want to say he was like 126 on the on the crazy run. I want to say he was 131. So I really didn't think a whole lot about it. I was just chalked it up as he just missed it and or whatever. They call us up there and I'm like, man, there's no way. I'm like, we got to do this again. How many times are we going to have to do this? And I went up there to Randy, and I was honestly, I was just like, man, I'm like, I don't want to rerun this. I'm like, we done rerun this twice. You're, my stuff's on fire over here. My transmission's hot. Got a loose converter in it. So, I mean, everything's hot. My battery's already low. I'm like, man, like, what's the deal here? And they're like, you can see the light on, on, on the big screen and all this. And I told Randy, I said, man, I'm like, I don't feel like, I should have to rerun this again. I'm like, I don't know what the right play here is, but I don't feel like I should have to rerun it. I said, but if you show me on the live feed, if we back it up, you show me that the light is on. I said, I'm not going to argue it no more. I'll come back and rerun. So we go and look in the thing, and and sure enough, you could see the light to me look like it stayed on after he moved. And at that point, I said, we got to rerun. I mean, that's just all there is to it. I mean, it sucks. It's a big wow. round, but we got to rerun. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. It ain't fair. And what are yours and Gary's conversations, if if I can ask that, or if you would even tell us that? Just I'm sorry. 
to each other. I mean, basically, like, man, I know this sucks. I mean, at that point when the light was on, I mean, I can't argue with it. I can't tell the man. I mean, I argued it at first, but as soon as I seen the replay of it, I'm like, you can't argue that. I'm like, it's it ain't fair to him. I mean, yeah. we got to rerun. That's just all there is to it. I'm like, what do you? My biggest thing is like, what are you going to do to fix it? And they're like, we changed the photo cell. The photo cell was cracked. I'm like, okay. And I said, the second thing we got to do, I said, for me to agree to rerun here, is you're going to have to let me change my dial in. We done run this thing round robin. I'm like, he can change his. He can put whatever he wants to on it. I said, but I, I, for me to want to rerun this again after we've been sitting here for an hour when you change the photo cell, well, I don't know if it's exactly an hour, but I'd say it's dang close. Yeah, I'm like, I, I want to change my dial in. I'm like, he can do his too. I don't care what he wants to put on it. So they agreed to that. Really nothing said about it or disagreed about it. So I changed my dial in. I dialed up 300s. I mean, I'm like, I got to be able to get there on the on the track. Nobody's been down. So <clears throat> we roll up there, back up from burnout. Everything's fine. I go to set the button, and there's nothing there. I don't have I don't have a reset button. I have the Beyondo box in it. Um, it's in low gear. I looked at it as soon as it moved. I looked down, and it was in low gear. I don't have an exact answer for what happened there. But he didn't move, or he left and kind of backed up, too. So at that point, I backed checked the button four or five times before I staged again. It worked every time. Only thing I can think of is on that button I have in her car, I had it set up really soft. Like, you have to press it and almost flush all the way down just to engage. Somehow or another, maybe it just it didn't engage. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it didn't push it hard enough. I'm not sure. So come back. So, so and stop it never right there, KB. So stop right there. Uh, obviously, you, you've gotten to the point where you backed up. So this is the round where it's everything's fixed. Yeah. And supposedly, whatever results we get at that point are final. But your car moves instantly prior to Gary. He, he let go red, but prior to him taking off, your, your car obviously moved. And turns on your red light. Both of you immediately stop. Now, what's going through your head at that point? Are you wondering, oh, you see Gary stop? Are you wondering? Or was it just instant that you felt like you guys had this gentleman's agreement that, that you're going to back up and do this again? Because he won the race. He won the round at that point. But instinctively, both of you stop immediately and back up. As what's soon happening as he stopped, in my head? As soon as he stopped, I mean, it's that gut feeling like when you move and it goes red, you're like, no way. You can't, you got to be kidding me. And then he had hit and stopped too. And I was like, he's going to give me another shot. So I back up and then he motioned over to them and was saying something to them. Find out he's, he was asking what his light was. So he was more than fair about that, obviously. And I felt like that was a fair thing to tell him what his light was. But what he did was a huge statement for, for Gary, for who he is. He's won the race. He's won it twice. For what he did to back up, I guess he felt like that I give him the right by rerunning it three times, that he felt like, no, nah, we're going to back up. We're going to do this again. For what he did, I mean, that was huge. That I will forever have respect for him for that. And as it's we incredible. stage, 
It it was. I mean, it point blank was. I mean, it's not something I expected him to do, but he manned up and he backed up. And he wanted to win that race fair and square. I mean, that just shows his character right there. And, he and wanted to win that race fair and square. Just think about this, KB. Obviously, it was an incredible show of sportsmanship in class on Gary Williams' part. Uh, again, I've stated it on the podcast. I've stated it to anybody that's listened. Probably the, the classiest, most sportsmanlike thing I've ever witnessed because of, of what led up to that point. And then he's, his wind light's on, but he backs up and wants to do it again. Had the race played out um, with your trans brake setting, you going green and winning the race, still would have been a raw deal in his lane because, as we know now, everything changed and tightened up tremendously. So, you know, just if you go green there and he goes red, he still gets a raw deal. So he finally, he gets an opportunity to be done with all that and his wind light's on and he backs up and says, well, obviously that was a show of respect for you and what you had been through prior to that and rerunning and and just says, just tell me my light so I can adjust for it and then we'll go do this again. I, I thought it was incredible. It really was. And, you know, I know that you are one of the classiest people and, and most sportsmanlike people I've ever witnessed on a racetrack or, or even outside the racetrack. Uh, I feel like that kind of person. I'm not sure that I process it that fast, KB, and and I don't just go down the track and, and make my run and come back and go, well, okay, I'm going to the semis. Even though, I, and I love you like a brother, but I'm not sure I process it that quick. That's a statement to to what he has inside of him that he processed it that quick and backed up and gave you another opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, especially with him being the slower car and then I'm moving over there beside of him and he's seen it and stopped and said, no, I ain't going to win this way. I mean, like I said, it showed class on his part. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, how many people would you see do that? Maybe one out of a hundred. I mean, that was, that was crazy. And I no more than, Went through the scoreboards and made the turn off, and I stopped my car and cut it off and went over there and shook his hand before, as soon as we turned off and talked about it and told him how much I appreciated it, and he didn't have to do that. But I appreciate him for the racer and what he did. Yeah, I think you showed a lot of appreciation in that moment, and I think you, you did it. You, know, you showed a lot of appreciation for that in your Winter Circle interview, which you handled extremely well. So, all right, KB, we, we determined now that you you run you finally run everything's even and fair and your wind light comes on again for the third time out of that four run sequence now you know you're going to the semifinals what was happening inside of you at that point well i just had to see the ticket first to make sure that it was something crazy before it got excited <laughs> and then even still i mean you're looking at he's t- he's 20 at the tree and you're like is it, are they going to call us back? Are we going to have to run again? This is, this is Gary. He's normally not 20 either. <laughs> so mm-hmm. finally, and then they call us back to four, and I'm like, okay, now we can focus on this. And then I know more than get out of the car there, and Nick and um, Nick and Ricky say, let's all go over here and talk. And I'm like, okay. So there's an obvious problem at that point. It's done got around. Gary's probably told some people that it was definitely looser or tighter now than it was what i think basically happened is they fixed it and it went back to where the left lane was because if you're showing 15 to 20 that's what i was pulling out of the box 
So I think yeah. they probably fixed it, but I was like, well, you know, we talked it out. We decided at four that we, that the track, not knowing that the best way to do it was to split the money and, and race for the, the trophy. I mean, the money, you know, it guaranteed us all more money. The money comes and goes. I mean, when it, at the end of the day, it's all about that check and having the chance to put your name on that list. I mean, everybody knows we do this. Yeah, it's great to win the money, but I mean, it's going to come and go that check, that, that prestige of the race. That's what it was all about. Yes. So, I mean, we all decided that and we were like, we're going to race for that. And then we had to figure out before, before we knew we did all this prior to knowing who was going to be put in the right lane. And then we agreed that the only fair way to do it with it being tighter is to whoever was in the right lane was going to let them take a hit at the tree and back up and adjust. I mean, I think that was the only fair way to do it. Yeah, it was fair. Now, it was bizarre, and it was um, unprecedented. Never, never seen anything like it. But uh, kudos to you guys for the way you handled that. All right, let's, let's get our money straight before we know who's over there, and then whoever's over there, we're going to give you as fair opportunity as we can to compete and and you guys come up with a great plan there, and it happened. Everybody got their, or or, or Tom Dauber and Ricky Atkins got their uh, reaction time hit and was able to adjust from there, and we get a good clean semifinals, and and obviously you turn on the wind light again there, and now KB, after all of that, and and this is. What are we? We're two hours probably from the beginning of the quarterfinals to the final round. Uh, I, I'm guessing there. I really don't know what the time frame was, but it was a long time. So now you're going to the final, and you've got a legend and one of the nicest people in the pits everywhere he shows up, Tom Dauber. So what's what's happening in your mind at that point? Well, let me, let me tell you a little story about Tom when I first met him, just before we get into that. First time I ever met Tom, I was at a national event at Gainesville. I had loaded my car up with Steve Furr, and we was all going out to eat. So I'm, like, super excited. I'm going to eat in this nice place. I'm with Anthony, Peter, uh, Steve, and then this is where I first meet Tom. So I'm, like, all excited. I'm, like, hey, <laughs> yeah, I'd I'm, say. like. I'm with I'm eating with some of the greatest ever in in our sport, so I'm over there taking a picture and sending it to my group friends. I'm like, look, I'm eating with all these people here and eating this nice <laughs> steak and all this. I'm in this great company with these fellows, and then Tom looks over at me and he says, he said, uh, son, he's like, you need to put that phone up. He said, you're eating with all the friends that you need to be talking to. And I'm like, yes, sir. Let me put the phone back up. <laughs> so, but no. Uh, no like Tom ever since then, man, he's he's a super nice, genuine as you can get. I've always had a lot of respect for him since then and, and been able to talk with him. He he's a great guy. I mean, he's a legend in our sport. Everything he's done and still doing, I mean, it's amazing just to see. I hope when I turn his age that I can even be able to sit down in a car. I mean, he what he does and the laps that he makes is just amazing. I mean, he he's as I tough agree. now probably as he's ever been. I mean, yep. he can beat anybody at any time. That is true. But, uh, I'm I'm super super honored at that point just to be able to race with him. I want to win. I'm, I'm set up pretty aggressive. I was five in the semis. I'm like I'm not going to touch it. He's he's wore me out before. I'm like he's going to be there. This is the big stage. This is when he's told me several times. He's like 
I know you won the top dragster world championship in 14. He said, but do you know who the first one to win it was? I said, I'm going to guess it's going to be you. Why are you telling me this? He said, yes, sir. I won the first one there ever was. I'm like, that's, that's awesome. Cool. So yeah, to be able to race him in the finals, it was, it was awesome. Obviously you, you make a good lap there as well in the final round. And KB, you, you light up the electricity in your lane uh, in the 25th Mickey Thompson Million, what was that feeling like, if you can even describe it? it man, that was amazing. I mean, like I said, this race to my, my mom always, this was the one race. This is the one that she told me. She's like, she's always told me from the time I was young. She was like, this is the race I want you to win. She said, this is the race where I spend all the money we've spent, all the times we go racing, this is the one win that we always wanted. She would tell my grandma, she would tell my dad, everybody, this this is what we saved up for. Just to even be able to run it, but to win it, I mean, it was for her. I mean, that for her and for Leland and, and Peabody, I've wanted to win all year for them guys. They were two really close guys that we was with, but Leland was Buddy's best friend, Ivy's best friend, and we lost him in December, and I vowed at that point to myself, I'm like, I'm going to win something big this year, and I'm going to dedicate it to my mom and to him and to Peabody. So that's the first thoughts, and when I went through, I'm like, I did this for y'all. This is for y'all. I wanted to win this race for those three. Very Man. cool inspiration there. That's, what a great story, and uh, you, you definitely – had uh, some folks riding along with you and you know if your if your mom had a good sense of humor I, I can't help but think she might have been directing some of that craziness uh, that that was surrounding you up there just to, <laughs> just to see how your perseverance was was going but so KB you're you're a man of great faith uh, you, you you definitely give your lord and savior the the glory and the credit anytime things go well for you and you talked about it in your winter circle interview you, you stopped and got out of the car after your wind light comes on and what happened yeah i've thought about this before and i'm like if i ever win something that's as huge like this i'm like i need to find a way to be different i need to find a way to show my respect and I've kind of thought about this, and I've kind of had this plan for a while. I'm like, if I ever win something like that, I'm going to stop on my way back in front of the cameras and show my respect before the glory, before all the fireworks, the prestige, all that. I wanted to show firsthand all the glory to God. I want the kids that are growing up, the ones – I don't want them – our sport's kind of become a thing where it shows um, – at times I feel like it shows partying and drinking and having a good time all the time. And, and that I'm not judging anybody that does that, but I want, when somebody looks at me, I want them to think like that guy did it right. He come there, he's there to race. He's there to have fellowship with his friends. He's there for the right reasons. And I just wanted to show the glory to God. And I want, that's, that's what I want to be known as. I want to be the guy that gives the glory to God and shows that he's first, and I want to be a good example to the kids growing up. Well, you are a fine example to not only the kids, but to some of, our, some of us that are elder to you. Um, you know, you, you, you have always been a classy guy and a man uh, that shows great sportsmanship and tremendous talent, but 
to to see that you know you understand how you get to go down the path you get to go down and and recognize that and and give God the glory for that was uh, as inspirational as anything I've seen you do in your past. So uh, kudos to you for that, especially for remembering it in that moment, um, making sure that obviously you keep him number one. So very well done there. And you, you get back up the racetrack, KB, and you, you you make your way to the winter circle now. And do you feel like, and, and I'm, I'm somewhat hesitant to even ask you this question because I don't want you to think any of us feel like, but do you feel like that victory, that whole sequence and getting to the winner's circle is marred by what happened from the quarterfinals on, or do you just feel like that is just a weird thing that happened and the winner was the winner? I think you summed it up pretty good in in the winter circle. I think there's always going to be an asterisk there. I mean, it's just going to be that thing that, like, well, Gary technically had him beat, and he, and he did. I mean, that's point blank all it was. To say that I would have beat him the first time or the second time, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would have or not. I felt good. I felt like I drove good. I felt like I deserved to be there. And then the last couple of rounds, the way I drove, I, I felt like I earned it. I mean, I I had to make good laps before we ever run Gary. And I made probably my best two or three laps the last three runs. So, I mean, I felt like I deserved it and I was there and I did what it took. But there will always be that asterisk on there. But you always got that as, as a little bit of a chip on your shoulder to show them you can do it again. Well, I don't think you got to prove anything to anybody. And, and certainly there will always be an asterisk, maybe just because of how weird it was. But as I said in the Winter Circle interview, you earned that and quite possibly earned it at a higher level than anyone ever has because of what you went through and, and all the those circumstances that you had to get around. So, you know, not only did you earn it, you, you quite possibly had to do more than, than anybody's ever had to do to win it. So, again, uh, you know, hats off to you for battling through that and doing it the way you did with such class and and respect for for what was happening in Gary's lane. Um, so KB, you, you get your winter circle interview and you, you get your pictures and all that stuff. And, you know, obviously I don't know how long after you win something like this, I don't know how long it takes to, to, to kind of sink in. I'm sure it has by this point, you've won a world championship, as you mentioned, uh, top dragster world championship and in HRA, you you've got so many big buck wins, we couldn't count them all. We'd, we'd be here a long time just trying to discuss them. This this year alone, you've had a $125,000 final round where you come up a little short. Um, obviously, some really big stuff's happened in your life. You, you, you've got a great life, a wonderful wife, and certainly, um, you know, Turtle is a, is a great influence and perfect in your life. But as far as your wins go, how do you rank this one? I mean, where do you put this in all the accomplishments that you've had on the racetrack? And it's up there for sure. I mean, it's one of the top ones. The only thing I could ask better about it is it would have been probably a little more special if Ivy was there and her parents and my dad. And uh, Thankfully, I had Shane and, and his daddy and um, Jimmy and, and all of them there with me to celebrate and, and all our friends. But 
Um, that took a little bit away from it more than anything is not having them there, but it, it was, I'm still ranking the top two. The only one I could think of that maybe was a little more special would have been winning the world championship in Pomona, sitting one pair back and watching the guy go out that had to go out and, and have an Ivy in them there. That was not only had to be good for one race as a whole year invested, but as far as one race, this was definitely probably the biggest single handed race that I've wanted since I was a kid. Yeah, really good stuff. Obviously I knew it ranked high, but I wasn't sure if there was some other special race in it, you know, maybe not from a money standpoint, maybe, you know, the, the first race you won after your mom passed or something, you know, it doesn't always, a guy that's as classy as you doesn't always have to have a huge check associated with it. I know uh, your heart's good and sometimes your heart gets filled just by winning something around the house for a, for a special reason or at a special time. So that's why I was just wondering how it ranked for you. But um, you, you've talked a couple of times about Turtle. Let's talk about Turtle. Um, he He's collected a $50,000 payday himself. I got to share that moment with him at uh, Galat a few years ago. What what kind of guy is Turtle? I mean, I know what kind of guy he is, but tell us tell us a little bit about Dad. Well, Dad, he he's Dad, and he's he's a little bit set in his ways. He's different, but I love him to death, and uh, everybody knows him as Turtle. I mean, he's as nice and can and will help anybody that he can. Um, he raised me right. He taught me pretty much a lot of everything I know. I mean, uh, I've been, he, he brought me up in it. He helped me with my junior. I mean, without everything that he's put in time and effort, he he showed me how to work on the cars. He showed me how to drive the cars. He showed me how to, I mean, he, he taught me basically everything you need to know about him. I mean, he, he was a mechanic for a living and he, he was tough on me at times and he, and a lot of kids during their summer breaks would spend it hanging out with their buddies and all. I spent a lot of the time in the shop, um, him teaching me how to do things. But I, at the time, I was like, man, this ain't fair. But looking back on it now, I mean, I can do a lot of the stuff working on cars. I probably would never got a job with Scott and everything had I not known all the things that he taught me. I could basically build my own motor before I ever even went to Scott's. He, he taught me and showed me how to do everything. And, I could work on the trailer, work on work on anything, basically from all the knowledge he taught me. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I thought you was going to go with that. He's just a quality individual, um, a great racer in his own right. Has as again stood on a big stage and, and got his wins. But you guys take a somewhat different strategy to the starting line. Does Turtle ever does he ever get old school on you and tell you tell you drive a certain way, or does he? Does he just let you be rabbit? No, he don't. Never. He's never really said anything about it. I, I didn't. I kind of learned my. I'll be honest. I learned like the holding and the driving the finish line. I mean, he taught me some on that for sure. He he was always been more than the honest guy. I mean, he makes a good lap a lot of times. I mean, he don't he don't do that uh, like hole three or four. Honestly, I learned most of that from from being the time sitting in a kid watching Gary and Troy, Scotty, just sitting on the fence watching. He had me when I was a kid, I would, 
he would want him and mom would want me to go up there and sit in the stands like during these million dollar races and and i would write everybody's reaction time down and i would write what they run and i'd show this is what they dialed and this is what they went and they was ripping the gas at half track and and that's where i, I learned a lot of is just watching watching those right. guys do it yep. yeah yeah he, he's definitely got some, some old school driving techniques, but doggone if he don't make it work for him <laughs> really well. He's, he's solid, I'm telling you, even, even today. I mean, I don't want to pull up the side of him. I mean, he's going to he's gonna be pretty good on the tree. He's got a car just like mine with the motor I built. I mean, he's he's got the equipment, and he's got the skill and the knowledge. He can, he can lay it down. Yeah, I don't want to pull up beside any Brandon, which leads me to the next Brandon I want to talk about, and that's Miss Abby. Um Obviously, uh, you guys have a, a fairly new or fresh marriage, and um, you know you you both compete on the racetrack. But for those, I think most everybody's figured this out. But pretty much at your bigger races these days, when you hear the national anthem, and it's not by a uh, a music star of some kind, whether it's pop or country, uh, because of rights to music and these things, uh, Motormania TV can't can't uh, share those national anthems your wife kb is either singing it live or it's her recording of it and it is absolutely phenomenal um so we know how talented she is on the microphone and, and her ability to to sing but she races good too and i think that has continued to improve with some of your guidance but tell us about miss ivy Man, her voice is just so amazing. Like, and I enjoy hearing it so much at the racetrack. But my favorite of all time is when she will sing in church. That me and her daddy just we try to get her to do it, and and she won't do it unless somebody asks her. But her voice and her, I mean, it's a blessing just to hear her sing, and it's amazing. I've I've let you listen to some of her church songs. I mean, yeah. she is so good, so blessed. And amazing. it's amazing. Does she sing around the house? She will a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, she sings mostly in her car, probably going to the racetrack and all. Some of her choice of music would probably make her daddy frown. But uh, <laughs> she has another side of her singing there, and it's pretty hilarious if you ever hear it. But you uh, very seldom ever it. hear that part of it. But <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty good. As far as her driving, man, she's she's come so far in the last few years. She's she's getting yeah. it. She she sees what's going on. She she said the best part from having me to be able to do it is I can lay the picture in her head and she sees it. And it's hard to do that. Like when you for you to be able to see the picture of it and then actually go out there and be like, Okay, that makes sense. Being able to do that and and see how far she's come like she won't hold very many numbers she's gotten to where she'll be a little bit more aggressive but she's come so far she's hitting the tree well but the biggest thing is she just goes racing where where they lived it was hard to go racing they, their local tracks two and a half hours away she goes to greer with us a lot now and runs point series over there over there it's so hard to win i mean it's just so many good racers over there and oh, the tracks man. great it's just to me that's like the 
perfect test place. I want to go and race where they're tough because that's going to make me a better racer. And being able to race over there and, and her racing over there and seeing her do it, she she's come a long way. She's tough. I mean, you don't want to pull up beside of her either. She's she's gotten and her car is amazing right now. And it's been it's the best it's probably ever been. She's got that confidence of her car. She drove really good at Bristol. She got down deep rounds several days. And I mean, she was really laying it down there. Yeah, she is. Uh, she is driving well and and continuing to improve each and every time I've got to to watch her click off a few rounds. It you can tell that she's got some strategy and she's implementing it and doing it well. And and I know a lot of that is with your tutelage, but you still got to grasp it and be able to execute it. And that's where the talent is shown. And she's been showing a lot of talent on the racetrack, and I'm sure that's only going to get better. Oh yeah, no doubt. She's she's doing great. I just can't wait to see her win one of these big races and get a big check because it's coming. She deserves it. She's put in her time. She she's driving well. It's coming. I agree. Sooner and later. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise me at all. See that happen very soon. KB, this is kind of an odd question, but if you had one thing you could do different in your racing career, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one there. Um, man, I don't know. I've pretty much done a lot of it. Um, the only, I mean, the big dream I would have probably ever have is is if I ever had this chance to drive like a pro stock car or something like that. As far as changing it was, like, I know this is crazy, but like, I've pretty much like met all the things as a kid growing up. Like, my first goal when I was growing up is I wanted to, I wanted to race. The second was I always wanted to work at par. Though when my dad would take me up there as a kid, that was where I wanted to be. I wanted to do that, and to be able to do that, and then be able to race like we have, I've been truly blessed. I don't know that would really change anything as far as the path that this has took me down. I mean, I'm very blessed to be where I'm at. Yeah, that's that's again kind of where I thought you'd head with that. You, you you're uh, you're a guy that has done it the right way. Uh, built wonderful relationships, obviously shown tremendous talent on the racetrack. And uh, definitely for those youngsters out there listening, if you, you know, if you want to be great, there are several different ways to get it done, but certainly following your path and maybe bending your ear sometime on the fence or in the bleachers is, is going to be a, a very helpful thing for the young people to try to get better and um, certainly appreciate the way that you've done it, KB. You're a class guy that uh, everyone respects. I don't think there's a single soul out there that wasn't happy for you when you got that, that big win in Montgomery. I appreciate that, Jen. I, I got to give a lot of credit, too, to Scott out there at par. He took me in probably, I think it was about 2009 or so. I was originally working at BMW, and I was working at the plant mom worked there and she got me a job in temporary service and we was having to work third shifts so i was working friday nights trying to go race and and finally one day i was up there getting some parts or something like that and scott had a had a gto or a gxp back there in the back and he said boy you've been sitting around too long go out there and take that motor out for me i was like okay so i went back there and took the motor out of it and then one thing led to another at that point i had a 1995 Steve Eckert hardtail car with a small block in it that ran like 530s or something like that. 
I had not. I did not have the right weapon for what we was trying to do. <laughs> well, and for Scott, without Scott, he helped me get a car. He helped me get the. He guided me, directed me, and one thing led to another. But without Scott's help, I for sure wouldn't be where I'm at right now. He he was very big in my racing. Yeah, talk about classy and and highly respected people. Scott is definitely. Um, very high on a lot of people's list and for good reason and you know over there at par uh, providing a lot of power for people as well and it's, you know if you if you're looking for somebody that that you can trust to to give you what you're paying for and not guide you down a, a path that you don't need to go down I, I couldn't imagine much better than than par and scott and all the folks there yeah he he's amazing man i'm telling you like a lot of the, I'm not knocking any other engine builder by no means, but this man, he cares so much about this and the bracket program. He'll stay up. There'll be times if there's something going on in the dyno or somebody's had problems, that man won't even sleep at night. He, he might sleep an hour or two at best. I mean, he is so passionate about it, and he cares so much about them. And, and when people come back and tell them about their success or that they're happy with their motor. I mean, that that's everything to him. I mean, he truly cares about this and, and us racers. Like yeah, I said, I, I sure wouldn't be where I'm at without him. And he surrounds himself with, with great people. His customers are some of the, the finest people I know. So um, I, I'm sure that he takes a lot of pride in that. And I'm sure he takes a lot of pride in watching you do well too, KB. Um, 2021. You, you're coming off arguably one of your better seasons, if not your best, especially from a financial standpoint. Um, obviously, got a lot of momentum. What uh, What's the plans for 2021? Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. Towards the middle of the year, spend a lot of money and very little success. I pay my tab here or there. I kind of planned on going back top dragster racing. I kind of planned on building me a a pro charter and running some PDRA and things like that. But uh, shortly after go out, I kind of started thinking again. And then after this, I know where my heart's at. It's a bracket racing. That's where I need to be. Uh, I sold my engine. I actually going to build something a little bit smaller, uh, something I can bracket race and not worry about. Which my other one was not bad, but uh, when track got cold, it was a little sketchy at times. So I'm going to build me something a little bit smaller and. I'm going to bracket race, and I'm going to pick and choose. I'm going to obviously try to hit the flings. I'm going to try to hit some SFG races, most of them. Um, and when I'm not there, I'll be running Greer Dragway. So you're not going to try to go 431 or 433 or any of that next year? No, nah, I'll probably try to go 439, 440. <laughs> That's what I was going to drag out of you. I know you're slowing it down. Are you going to go 440? Yeah, i try to slow it down to 440s. <laughs> all right kb well we we definitely hope that you do well and i look forward to our paths crossing as much as they can i won't get out to many of those races next year but i'm sure we'll bump into one another somewhere love to see you make a foot brake race or two get that bad monza years out and swap some feet oh yeah i definitely like to run some few of those i've kind of learned quickly though i need a lot more practice there <laughs> yeah well back to where i asked you if you had one thing you could do different in your racing career what would it be i wouldn't have okay. stopped racing <laughs> it oh, yeah. was me i wouldn't yeah. have stopped I, I i stopped at a time where i was 
pretty good at it and got out of practice uh, and got to hitting the top and running around doing these things. And man, that that class is getting by me in a hurry. But I'm I'm coming back after them in 2021. I'm gonna hit some foot brake races. I like it. I I thought for a while there, I was like, you know, I could probably hit the bottom. I could probably practice and run a few times. Probably get a little get better at it i've gotten better at it but i was horrible and i'm still not good so, <laughs> I'm what sure the boys do, i mean holy cow they are talented to be able to see that i mean yeah yeah and there's some bad boys at greer too you know you got jay norris and all those boys over there jeff lambert and there's some tough cats getting after oh, yeah. it over there no doubt chad dotson and Dad, yeah just, the lizard. yeah this big name after big name them boys over there can win that Anybody at Greer Dragway can go anywhere and win any time, I feel like. Man, it's ridiculous yeah. over there. They have one everywhere, so yeah. that, that's a shark's pool there for sure. No doubt. All right, KB, nobody does this on the level that you've done it without help. And I know there's some folks on your list that, that provide you assistance getting to the track and down the track. Who's, who's on that list you need to say thank you to? Well, I'm pretty fortunate here. I got a pretty decent little list I wrote down. Obviously, the, obviously the first one is Ivy Hutto Golf Carts. Ivy and Renee, man, we wouldn't be able to do anything without them. I mean, as as tough as times are, the support that they give us, he's he's him and her are our huge helpers in our racing. Without them, like I said, we'd be in trouble. So I got to give a shout out to Ivy Hutto Golf Carts, Joe, and all the gang there. If you're looking yeah. for a golf cart best one to find you won't find a better person to work with and take care of you i couldn't agree more i don't want to get injected into your list here but i i, I could not agree more I, that's what jj and i rides ivy hutto cart and that's uh talk about great people ivy hutto yeah. it don't come better than him gives back to the racers he does everything he can he's he's great to work with Honestly, um, this, yep. yeah no doubt um second obviously par race engines what scott and the boys do it's where i work they help me tremendously. Uh, Maddox race cars, man, I can't talk enough about them boys. Kip, Dale, Shane, nicest people you'll ever find. Trustworthy, straight up quality of it. You can't beat it. Um, boys at FTI, Troy, uh, Greg, man, he's been great to me. They have took so good care of me over the years. Without their support is huge in my racing program. They get back to the racers. I try to support the ones that support me, and, man, they've been so good to me. Uh, VP Race Fuels, they're a big helper I've had last few years. Tom, Mickey Thompson, he's been with me for several seasons also. He, he's always looking after me. Best tire. I know you're going to argue with that a little bit, Jeb, but for me, that's, that's my tire. favorite. Yep. That Mickey uh, Thompson is a great tire. I, there's no doubt about it. Yep. There's a lot of great companies. And, and like I said, Tom and them boys, they've been good to me. Um, Bam Racing Lifters. Uh, Brad at Bam, he's somebody that, we, that I've learned through Scott. He's been good to me. He's took real good care of me, built a great product. Um, they sell them only to the engine builders. So if your engine builder ain't got them, just let it tell them to get in touch with him he'll sell them to make a good deal man them things have really took eased my mind on valve train problems um then the next one i got for the last one apd joey john uh randy them guys have took me under and helped me i met them through scott met them through luke them boys have been good to me they uh they treated me 
more than fair and have, have really stepped up. They're great to the racing community. Love their carburetors and great customer service with them. Those, those are the people that help me the most. Man, I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm blessed to have this the group. I couldn't do what I could what I do without them. They all take good care of me. Yeah, well, you just named off some amazing companies and some really great people that's involved in them. And I know all those folks are super proud to be associated with UKB, uh, as anyone is that's in your circle. So, um, you know, you, you've been around this podcast a little bit yourself, so you know we're kind of done, but we kind of ain't. That that wraps up the, the main part of the interview, but now we got rapid fire. And, you know, rap, rapid fire is always five questions just to ask you and, and get you a quick answer to. But my five questions turned into seven because I just couldn't couldn't narrow it down. I had no more about you, KB. <laughs> All right. Sounds okay good. With that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, tell me a class you haven't raced in that you desire to compete in the most. Stock, super stock. Stock and super stock. Okay. Mm. Awesome. Any plans to do that? No, not really. Okay. So anybody out well, if there? If anybody has a car, I'd be willing. got an open seat, you're their guy, right? Yes, sir. Okay. I wish I had one. I'd put you in it in a minute. <laughs> what time do you wake up in the morning, KB? I get up about 7.30. Get up at 7.30? Yep. That's... We're, we're late risers. We, we go to <laughs> work at 9, but we work to like 7, 8, 9 at night. We work late. Okay, so you not you don't get started real early, but you you work kind of late. Okay, yeah. That's fair I guarantee enough. you. I guarantee you, Scott Duggan's still at the shop right now. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's late where y'all are. Twenty minutes yep. after nine. Yep. Um, would you rather have a bowl of cereal or a biscuit in the morning? Biscuit, gravy biscuit. Biscuit. Oh, a gravy biscuit. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, got a <laughs> side of egg. I mean, I knew me and you was all right, but that's, that's put us on a whole new level right there. I'd oh. rather have a side of bacon, but side of eggs just fine. Cereal won't fill me up. We go to lunch at 1 o'clock. I, it won't last. I got to have my biscuit. Hey, B, you weigh like 85 pounds. You tell me a bowl of cereal won't fill you up, you need to get a bigger bowl. I ain't got enough reserve. It runs out. <laughs> What's the favorite race car you've owned? Oh, favorite race car. Probably my blue dragster, man. That, that car... I did so much and and learned so much in it. That was probably my favorite, my blue Maddox race car. I like my Camaro that we had, too, but my old blue was my baby. Okay. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I hate to lose. Mm. That's what I thought I'd hear out of you. What's your favorite place to vacation? I like the beach. Like which beach? Uh, Normally Myrtle Beach. Myrtle? Okay, yep. so you don't you don't go far. No. How far is Myrtle Beach from Spartanburg? About four and a half hours. Oh, well, that's a pretty good ride then. It's just hard to go to the beach when there's a big money bracket race. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's every week now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, last one. If you could have dinner with anyone on earth, who would you choose? Oh, man. Anyone on earth. That's a good one there. Uh, I thought that might stump you a little bit. Yeah, that one stumped me there. There's one person. Man, that's a tough one there. I'm going to go. 
I'm going to go with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Oh, Dale Jr. Okay. Yeah. Good choice. I'd love, love to hear the stories about his daddy. I was a big Earnhardt fan. I am a junior fan. Well, now I don't, I don't want to cause you any trouble, and I'm making sure I don't get in trouble because my wife is sitting on the bed right now just looking at me. So I would choose her, KB. I would, I would go to dinner with my wife if I could go with anybody on earth. Oh, but, yeah, definitely. You know, if she's not in the room, uh, holler at me sometime. I thought uh, we was I, talking about somebody I hadn't had dinner with. <laughs> oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, her yeah, first. Somebody, yeah. Yeah, you thought I was I talking thought about somebody I thought we were talking about someone never had. Yeah, okay. Get cleared that up. What? Great comeback. Great comeback. That's yeah. why they call you the rabbit. You fast. Fast. <laughs> All right, KB. That wraps us up, bud. Appreciate you so much. Thank you for coming in here and, and telling a story that I'm sure you've told a thousand times about all the stuff that happened there in the late rounds of the million, but we definitely appreciate you sharing it with us and being so transparent and honest and uh, just opening up and giving us your story. We, we enjoyed it a lot. Yep, I appreciate that. And before we go, Jed, I appreciate you, man. What you've done in this sport, being able to honor circles with you. I've never had talked on a live mic until I talked on with you in Bristol. And to share all those times with you, man, it's been great. What you do in this sport, man, it, it's it's awesome having you and JJ. He's come so far and he's so good at it too. It's it's going to be something we're going to miss, but man, I appreciate everything y'all done. But that means the world to me. You don't know how much and uh, you need to quit all that because there ain't, ain't no sense for me getting all wet-eyed over here hearing that kind of stuff. I'm definitely going to miss being out there with you guys and getting some of those opportunities to talk to, to people like you in the winter circle. It's a, it's a joy for me, I promise you. I've enjoyed every one of them. But, um, this, maybe this retirement will be short. Jenny Moe might get sick of me and tell me to get back out there to the races. Who knows? We just got to get her in a race car. That's as simple as it is. Get her there and get her racing with you, and then she'll understand. She'll be like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to come to foot brake races now just to just come and hang out with you. <laughs> well, we'd love to see you at the foot brake races for sure, and any opportunity we can get to hang out. And, and I'm trying to find her a car now, so maybe we can accomplish all that. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, but I appreciate you. I know it's getting late over there. I um, mean, you got early. You got to rise early in the morning at seven thirty. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> come on, KB. You got to get out of bed, brother. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you get yourself yeah, up and going. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that is six thirty my time when you do that. So I guess yeah, it's, it's kind of like five thirty, and you know. <laughs> We appreciate you, brother. Thank you for taking some time to join us. Enjoyed it and look forward to you putting on another big or getting another big win and, and showing out on a big stage and we can get another opportunity to chat with you about that one. Yep. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Appreciate being uh, being on the show. Yep. Enjoyed it, bud. Have a good night and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you, bud. It's November, and that means that it is time for the annual BTE Black Friday sale. If you are in the market or in need of transmission, torque converter, related components for your race car this offseason, this is the sale that you do not want to miss. 20% off essentially all BTE products. The only thing excluded is uh, complete gear sets included are complete transmissions, torque converters, and just about every related component that BTE makes. It's 20% off 
this month. Uh, we're taking orders now at thisisbracketracing.com. You can also order at bteracing.com. Uh, most orders will not ship until after Black Friday, but they will ship in the order in which they are received. So again, take advantage. Thisisbracketracing.com. Uh, we've got the promo code on the website there. Elite members get an additional 10% off. So if you're an elite member listening to this, you know your promo code as well. Be sure to take advantage of that. BTE Black Friday sale now through the 27th. For most of us, the season is over. It's time to decompress. And while there is definitely value in that, at some point, we also want to remove ourselves from the season, look back, analyze exactly what we did well, and what are the areas, the opportunities in which we can improve. If you take the time to pinpoint those, assuming that you are a racer who sees areas of potential improvement, and I think there are potential improvement, areas of potential improvement for all of us, this is Bracket Racing Elite can help you take the next step toward getting to where you want to be, toward becoming the best version of yourself on the racetrack. We only open enrollment to This is Bracket Racing Elite twice a year, but mark your calendars. Our off-season open enrollment is quickly approaching. We're going to open the doors on November the 23rd. That is going to be your opportunity to join This is Bracket Racing Elite. Enrollment will be open for two weeks. So learn more. This is bracketracing.com slash elite. Hey guys, it is Ashley again, and I am here with another driver series update. Uh, back in September, I interviewed Lane Savar and he ended up being our overall winner for Top Bulb. And tonight I have with us Kit Poole, who is also from Bremerton Raceway, and he is our bottom bulb overall winner. Uh, so I'm going to let Kip take it over. You can introduce your t uh, introduce yourself. Tell us how you got started racing, um, how long you've been racing, and whatever else you want to mention. All right, like I said, I'm Kip. Uh, I'm live in Paulsville, Washington. Grown up in this area my whole life. Started racing at Bremerton Raceway as soon as I basically got my driver's license. Um, I've been going out there for probably previous six or seven years before that with my dad um so did high school bracket um basically full-time at a 76 c10 pickup that was basically just all stock it was lower and terrible uh and i had like s10 blazer with a 406 in it um blew it up on the street so then i'd race whatever i get my hands on it whether it was my wife's car or one of my cars that i had around um but really uh so that was like 2004 was the last year I raced high school class and really I was thinking back since then this year is only like the third year since then that I got raced I've been able to race a full season um, but just you know always sprinkled in a couple races here and there and uh, kind of always kept my ear to the ground of what was going on and knew who was who and stuff like that so um, yeah and then here we are today Nice. And uh, what uh, made you decide to join the uh, driver series or sign up for the driver series? Uh, a couple things. Um, one was a pretty good return on investment, uh, you know, $50 with a potential $2,500 payout. Um, and then without participation, things like that don't really get, you know, they don't take off. So you have to pay to play. Um, and then just the podcast in general, kind of the brand that's been built here has done a real good job of making you know, household names out of people all across the country that you otherwise wouldn't know. Um, so that kind of stuff. Cool. 
So earlier you mentioned that this was kind of your first full year uh, fully participating in your uh, regular season. And I did some research and you were third overall for pro. And then you also were fifth overall in sportsman. Um, how does your strategy change when you're going from sportsman to pro or does it change? It does not. Um, it used to be under the old track management, when you'd get to eliminations, pro bracket would run first and then you would run sportsman. And so I always felt like I had a better shot in sportsman because I, it was the back to back of runs. And then now they don't do that anymore. Um, but I think all my theory got out the window with that. I still have better season in pro this year than the last time I raced the majority. Last time I raced the majority of the races, I also had a better season in pro. Um, so it's just more mentally preparing myself for looking over my shoulder in pro, where in sportsman, I'm usually one of the faster cars, so I'm looking ahead. Um, so it's just kind of changing my mind frame. Yeah, that was something I thought of. Yeah, you're probably getting chased more in pro. Um, and then doing the chasing in <laughs> sportsman. Um, yeah. is, is your... I've never been, I've always had slow junk, so I've never been that great at um, being the faster car. I've always felt like I've been better leaving first and looking behind me. Um, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar. I'm, I've been mostly the slow car and pro bracket and I've gotten so used to, uh, you know, racing from in front that, I jumped in a faster car and Boise earlier this year, and it was it was a different look for sure. It is, yeah. Um, do you like how do you practice? Do you hit the tree normal like a practice tree throughout the week, or what's your routine practice like? Um, I do have a practice tree. I think it actually makes me worse. Um, and I actually even this year I cut the button off of it and rigged it up to a button on the foot brake in the car and then would set it like outside the windshield, you know, so it was kind of a similar size to what the real truth looked like, but it didn't help. Um, I stopped doing it. So usually the extent of my practice is when I'm sitting in the staging lanes, watching the tree come down from a few cars back and then like the burnout box. Um, Cause that's usually the extent of it. Yeah. And you know, for those who aren't familiar at Bremerton, you can pretty much see the, starting line from the staging lanes it's you know directly behind it and there's nothing really blocking our view um so would you i mean there's you hear racers talk about the perfect weapon do you think your car is the perfect weapon for sportsmen or pro or both um probably for sportsmen it's probably a little bit overkill um like you think of the true nature of a sportsman car you know something kind of slow so maybe somebody drove to the track um it's a little bit overkill for sportsmen uh it still obviously doesn't win me all the races or anything um and it's a good enough pro car um so i don't think it's the perfect weapon by any means uh i prefer trucks um like that blazer i had was awesome because all the windows you can see out of you kind of sat up high um where mine gets i mean it works there's been many times where I don't know, I have a terrible time drive judging this the front end of it sometimes where I'm like, oh I got there. Well no I didn't or I didn't get there. Oh yes I did, you know. So um no, I don't think it's perfect by any means. Yeah. Um 
do you have any like superstitions you have um, going into race days or before rounds? Usually just make sure my bladder is not full because nothing is worse than getting stuck enough, stuck up there, be like three cars back and then knowing you have to come back for the next run or something like that right away. <laughs> oh, but yeah. no, uh, I really try not to um, have any routines or any superstitions because then it's just something somebody can mess you up with. Um, so no, nothing like that. Yeah, that's a good theory to have. Um, all right, so we're going to end it with some rapid-fire questions, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is your dream car? My dream car? Um, it's probably a wagon of some sort. Uh, not necessarily a Malibu wagon. Those are very common. Those I do like those. Um, but I've seen a few like where they take like eight older 80s Volvo wagons. And they put like a chassis on them or, or something like that. Something kind of unique, um, but definitely a wagon of some kind. Okay, cool, cool. Um, let's see, do you have any fears? Like fear of heights, spiders, snakes? Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of spiders, definitely not. Um, but as far as anything that, uh, no, nothing really comes to mind. Um, yeah, no. So if there's a spider in the house, your your wife and kids are screwed. <laughs> no, I'm smacking it with something, but uh, <laughs> crazy about it. Gotcha. Um, what's your favorite holiday? Uh, probably is New Year's Eve a holiday? That's, yeah. Uh, probably New Year's, Eve, New Year's because my daughter was born on New Year's Eve in 2017. So 2018. Uh, New Year's Day was about the best New Year's Day ever because all I had to do was sit there and hold a one-day-old baby and do nothing else but put my feet up and there was, you know, obviously college football on and stuff. So um, she won't let me hold her anymore. But uh, that was – so that's probably my favorite holiday still. <laughs> nice. Um, and then lastly, how many speeding tickets do you have? Surprisingly, I have zero. Um, I have been – pulled over for a lot of other dumb things like driving the carpool lane when you don't have two people in the car or, you know, motorcycles with no turn signals and stuff like that, but actually no speed. Nice. I, I can't say the same for me, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So that concludes our interview with Kip again, guys. Um, next year, the driver series is going to be bigger and better. Um, if you want your home track to participate, um give us a you know comment um send us a message tell your track have them reach out to us um again it's going to be bigger and better next year so hopefully you guys can all participate um and i look forward to seeing your names Cause if I don't get your Austin Williams might catch ya. 
Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.